Good morning. May the Lord be with you and also with you. Today is Transfiguration Sunday, um, Sunday every year where we not only uh, kind of finish up the Epiphany season, talking about the uh, Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but we also actually, as we wrap that up in the same way, also prepare for Lent with Ash Wednesday just around the corner. And so, uh, so as I've gathered together, um, just getting back from vacation, uh, um, the, the readings and sermon, I hope that you also will be able to use this as a, a preparation for the Lenten season, of which you're certainly welcome with the rest of the congregation to gather together for the Ash Wednesday service on Wednesday evening. We will be doing a round robin with the other congregations of the Calgary circuit. And, uh, and so the pastors, various pastors will be, uh, we will all be at various churches on various Wednesday evenings. Our congregation will not be having a, uh, a Lenten supper beforehand, but the services will be at seven o'clock. We gather in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We pray. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. From Exodus 34, the Old Testament reading, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. <clears throat> and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18, and 4, verses 1 through 6. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, <coughs> we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, <coughs> it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking round, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from Christ our Lord. Amen. Our text, the Gospel from Mark chapter 9, dear friends in Christ. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, but before we hear the Ash Wednesday words, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, there, there are the last highlights of Epiphany to talk about, most notably Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain. And this is found almost exactly in the middle of Mark's gospel, and in the previous weeks we've been introduced to miracle after miracle, all pointing to Jesus' divinity. But just before Jesus is transfigured, things took a very somber turn. Jesus gathered the crowd with his disciples and he told them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. While the miracles are popular, carrying the cross and dying on the cross turn out to be the main point of Jesus' ministry. He told his disciples, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God coming with power. But, but right after recording that mark, let six days go by without recording any more words, he let this tasting death part just hang in the air. It seems that after Peter challenged Jesus on his death and Jesus rebuked him, they might have been afraid to ask Jesus for more details. Yet I'm sure the disciples had plenty of things they were uncertain about regarding Jesus' talk of death. Jesus knew his disciples. He knew what was going through their minds. 
He knew that what they expected of a Messiah was more along the lines of political and social justice than one anointed to bring forgiveness to deal with the sin and death that Adam and Eve brought upon us. So six days after announcing his death, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him up to a very high mountain, apart from themselves, by themselves, apart from the others, by themselves. These three are the ones who would not taste death until they saw the kingdom of God. Not Andrew or Matthew or Bartholomew or any of the others, but just Peter, James, and John. It doesn't mean that the others are less favored or less in the kingdom, but this sneak preview of the kingdom of God needed just three in order to establish the legal eyewitness testimony to the truth of who Jesus is and what he was about to do. And on that mountain, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus like they'd never seen him before. The Greek word is metamorphosized or transfigured, morphed, as we might call it today, as in changed in appearance. Jesus' clothing became this glistening, intense white, whiter than any laundry soap could possibly make them. Every cell of Jesus' humanity glowed with the glory of God. He's God of God, light of light, true God of true God. God and humanity intimately united in one person. You might remember that Moses once came down from Mount Sinai with his face radiant with God's glory, and the people needed to cover his face with a veil. But Jesus' glory was of a different magnitude altogether. No human being ever shone in this way. The glory of Moses was reflected glory, the way the moon reflects the light of the sun. But the glory of Jesus is his own glory, like the sun shining with its own light. The miracles all hinted that there was more to Jesus than met the eye. He did things only God could do, and in a way only God could do them. Jesus' transfiguration then confirms the suspicions. Here is God in human flesh, and in him, human flesh is glorified. Moses and Elijah are seen talking with Jesus. Luke tells us that they were talking about Jesus' upcoming exodus, meaning Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we have here Moses of the original exodus and Elijah, who was Israel's greatest prophet, both representing the chief parts of the Old Testament. Those same scriptures about which Jesus said all speak about him. It's so glorious and frightening that the disciples are overwhelmed. Peter blurts out, Rabbi, it's good we're here. Let's build three tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Mark, who probably got this straight from Peter, says Peter didn't know what he was talking about. Who can blame him? There are only a handful of people who have caught a glimpse of God's glory face to face. Moses wanted to see the glory, but God told him, no, that's not a good idea. Instead, God hid Moses in a cave and put his hand over it and let Moses just see the trailing part of the glory. Elijah wanted a glimpse of God's glory. And again, God hid him in a cave and came to him in a, in a thin, still, small voice. Isaiah saw the Lord enthroned in glory and thought for certain he was a dead man. 
John saw Christ in his glory and fell dead at his feet. We hear about the glory of God in Jesus Christ, and the thought often comes to us that we'd really like to see that for ourselves. But as God told Moses, that's not really a good idea, at least as long as we are sinners. And that is why Jesus came to us as he did. Even though we sometimes think we need a special boost in our day to see God's glory, God normally covers the fullness of his glory up with the humanity of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it's too much for a sinful humanity to manage. Look how a glimpse of it caused Peter to foolishly babble about tent building. He wanted to memorialize the moment, but didn't catch the true significance. Before Peter got too carried away, the the cloud refocuses the moment. The cloud that once led Israel through the wilderness and covered the tent of meeting now descends on the whole scene. From the cloud, the voice of the Father bears witness. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Now this should sound familiar to you as we heard similar words back at Jesus' baptism. The listen to my Son are extremely important words. For the law of Moses doesn't save us, and Elijah can't raise you from the dead, but Jesus can and does both of these for us. Moses and Elijah and Jesus were talking about his upcoming death and resurrection for you, for me, for Peter and James and John. And and then when the cloud lifted, they saw no one but Jesus only. So there's no mistaking it. Only Jesus is the beloved Son of God. Only Jesus is the Word through whom all things were made and in whom all things hold together. Only Jesus dies and rises and takes the whole world with him. Only Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the world's sin. Only Jesus is the Redeemer of the world. And only in Jesus are you reconciled to the Father and redeemed and renewed. Only in Jesus are you forgiven. Only in Jesus are your sins washed away. Only in Jesus do you have life. Strangely, Jesus tells them, don't tell anyone as they come down from the mountain. Or more properly, don't tell anyone until the Son of Man rises from the dead. After Jesus has risen, you can tell everyone, but not before. Because first, there has to be a cross and a tomb, a death, and a resurrection. So after the resurrection, they freely told everyone they could. John wrote, We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God, full of grace and truth. Peter wrote, We didn't follow clever myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So this transfiguration of Jesus was special for Peter, James, and John. But through their eyewitness testimony, it becomes special now for us too. We learn from the transfiguration that the same Jesus who shone with glory on the mountain would suffer and die. This is important 
because it means God knows our weaknesses, our suffering, our fear, our terror, our death. This is the God who embraces us in his own death. This is the God who rises from the dead and takes us along with him through all of those terrible things to give us a share of his own glory. This shining, radiant Jesus is now your future, for you will be changed. You also will be transfigured to be like Jesus in his glory. And though that is our future, we have parts and glimpses of it even today by faith. We might not be able to fully see it, prove it, or even always feel it, not yet at least, but on the day of resurrection, what we know by faith, we will have in full, as Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, and John, and all the rest of our brothers and sisters in Christ will shine in the glory of Christ. Amen. We pray together as our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We receive our Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Go now with peace and joy as you serve your Lord this week. Lord willing, we can be together and and worship on Ash Wednesday.